Hello and welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast series. This series has been developed to assist you to master your health and well-being. Health is too hard when you try to go it alone, and we know that together we are healthier. Today on the show, we'll be discussing five ways you can hack habits so you can start eating better with Mel Bald. Mel has a Bachelor of Human Movement, a postgrad in Sports Management, and a Bachelor in Nutritional Medicine, alongside years of experience working in public health and also working one-on-one with clients. Mel's business is The Passionate Nutritionist, where she develops programs for individuals and corporates to help them achieve better health. Mel Bald, welcome to the GMHBA Healthier Together podcast. Thanks, Simon. Glad to be here. Firstly, Is there anything we should know about habits before we start talking about how to change them? Well, one of my favourite sayings with health is that generally most people know what they need to do, but we don't do it. And it's one thing that really resonates with people when I say that. They they basically know that they should eat more veggies, eat less takeaway and move more and to get to sleep earlier. So why don't we just do it? And the reason for that is... you know, a lot of the time is that habits are the underpinning factor. So basically around half of our behaviour is habitual and it takes somewhere between 18 to 254 days to form a new habit, which is very different from the commonly held belief that it's 21 days. You know, that's the one that people mostly talk about, but in reality, it's somewhere between that 18 to 254. But that's really good to know because basically, hopefully, that gives some hope to people that they don't give up. The average is around 12 weeks to form a habit. And the more complex behaviours do take longer to ingrain as a habit and become automatic. Importantly, our brains are constantly changing. So it's never too late to change a habit or to work on something new. You've mentioned that there's going to be five key things to help change our nutritional habits. Let's firstly look at mindset. What key things should we be thinking about here if we are wanting to change habits? Yeah, so often what happens is when we decide that we want to make a change but we don't achieve it or we slip up, we generally talk to ourselves in a pretty nasty way and this isn't helpful And what I would like people to do is to think about how you would speak to a friend in the same instance. So if you were trying to do something new, or if you had a friend that was trying to do something new, how would you encourage them? What would you say to them? You know, you're not going to put them down and say they did a terrible job and why didn't they do the thing that they were supposed to be doing? you would be talking to them and saying, hey, how about, you know, giving it another go? Why don't you try, you know, something different? And you need to have this same compassion with yourself. It's really important to do that. And part of this is about remaining curious about your habits. That's really important. You need to think of yourself almost as your own psychologist. It's kind of like analysing your patterns of behaviour and why you do them. And what this does is that it allows space to think openly about your habit so that you can work out what's underpinning them rather than just giving up and saying it's all too hard and you're a failure. Let's face it, not all the foods we eat are because our bodies need them. There's often an emotional reason, you know, we might be stressed, tired, bored, 
you know, we want that feeling of a reward or there could be an environmental reason that we choose to eat them. It's really important to work out those drivers of those habits that are happening around food so that you can try and counteract those things. And I'll give you an example. If someone was trying to cut the habit of eating chocolate at around 3pm, I'm sure you know we've all had this kind of habit happen before, and they slip up and think, what was the trigger that led me to do this behaviour? So rather than kind of saying to themselves, oh, you know, I promised myself I wasn't going to eat chocolate this afternoon. What am I doing? I'm an idiot. Rather than doing that, which really isn't helpful, think about, gee, what was it that got me into that situation where I needed the chocolate? I felt like I really had to have it. Perhaps it was seeing the chocolates in the kitchen when you walked past or went to make a cup of tea. Or was it that the cup of tea that you had was the trigger, that every time you have a cup of tea, you have a piece of chocolate. So your brain's kind of expecting that sweet with the cup of tea. Or sometimes it can be because you feel stressed and maybe that's the thing that's triggered you to seek some sweet foods. So rather than kind of that attitude of, you know, just telling yourself off, it's much more helpful to think how you can troubleshoot that behaviour. So, for example, you might be, you know, in this instance, you might think, well, did I have, what did I have for breakfast or what did I have for lunch? You know, was it, did I skip the meal? And maybe that's why I'm hungry, my blood sugar's dropped and it's caused me to seek something sweet because, you know, when our blood sugar drops, that's what our body does. It'll tell us to eat something sweet. Or maybe I didn't have any protein with my breakfast or lunch, which again can kind of swing your blood sugar levels. Or maybe you didn't have enough to eat with your main meals. Or perhaps you had a really bad night's sleep. And we know from research that, you know, sleep can definitely change our cravings and want us to eat more sweet and more fatty foods. So by thinking about the behaviour and really remaining curious around it, it means that you can take a positive step next time rather than beating yourself up. And I like to say that we're all a work in progress. You know, no one is perfect at this stuff. We can all improve. And it's it's quite a, you know, really nice way to think about it is, gee, what was going on there for me? How do I, you know, change that? And that's part of that mindset question. The second tip you have here is only working on changing one to two things at a time. Can you elaborate on this? Why not work on everything all at once that you want to change and keep yourself really busy? Yeah, well, you know, that's often what happens. Like people get to that position where they're, right, I'm going to do something about my health. I'm going to tackle everything at once. You know, it might be after Christmas. I'm certainly seeing that a lot at the moment. People are like, I've just overdone it. I really need to work on everything at once. And it can be really tempting to make lots of changes at once because you feel really motivated for whatever particular reason it is. But I always do get nervous when people tell me that they've, you know, maybe they've overhauled their habits, they've just been working on, you know, their diet and their exercise and their sleep all at once. Because what it often means is that they won't maintain this long term. And so what we really want to do is to set ourselves up for maintaining these behaviours so that we can keep doing them long term because that's when the results will come. 
So your brain's actually only capable of changing a few things at one one time, you know, and that's why, like, if you think to some of the changes you've made with your health, often it's when you've sort of picked one thing to work on and really focus on that. And that's why it's good to try and pick just a couple of things. It might be one, it might be two, but generally one to two is where I'd sort of start. And it's ideal to try and pick something that you might have been thinking about for a while. So, you know, generally when people come to me and they're like, right, I'm really keen to make some change, often they've thought about something already or they've started making a couple of changes, you know, and already started implementing that. Or it could be something they've tried in the past and been partly successful with. And the reason why it's good to start with these things is because it's a little bit more familiar to you. You might have had a bit of success. It's something you're feeling like you're in a place ready to work on and you've already been thinking about it. So you've kind of done a lot of that initial process of habit change, which is the thinking, you're feeling ready and motivated. So don't be tempted to pick multiple things because we want to be able to repeat these new behaviours multiple times. You know, I talked at the start, average 12 weeks to set a habit up. So we need to be doing them over and over again so that we become really comfortable with them and they become our way of life and we don't have to think about them anymore. It's just something we do. Number three on the list is to stop focusing on the external result and focus on the benefits you get along the way. What do you mean by this? Yeah, so when people decide they want to change something, they often think of the end goal of where they want to get to, and this is an external thing generally. So I ask every person who comes to see me for a consult, what are their three top priorities of why they are coming to see a nutritionist? And generally, most people have weight loss as one of their top three priorities, very common. So they may have some weight to lose, but what I would rather people think about and focus on is how they are wanting to feel and what they will gain if they achieve this weight loss. So will they have more energy? Will they feel stronger? Will they be more confident, etc.? And then if we can focus on these feelings and what they'll enable us to do, it's a much more positive thing. And it it means that you can tap into those feelings as well. So, for example, if you have more energy, it might mean that, you know, that person can babysit the grandkids more often. Or if you feel more confident, perhaps you can start wearing the clothes that, you know, you really love that you haven't been able to wear for some time. So these feelings and benefits are much more likely to start happening before the actual number on the scale changes, but they're really important. So that's what I mean by those sort of internal factors rather than the external. And I often, you know, another example is that I'll often get people to rate their energy levels when they first come to see me. And then we look at this over the next visit and the majority of time the energy will have improved by eating you know, a bit of a different diet and the number on the scale may not have changed just yet. You know, that that will come in time, but the energy is something that will improve to start with. And this is really important when you're working on, you know, changing food habits because now they might have the energy to do some food prep, 
or do some more exercise, you know, which all helps with the overall process of what their, you know, ultimate thing that they put on the list, which was to lose weight. So it's a much more positive thing um, and you're focusing on what you're gaining really rather than what you're losing or perhaps you haven't lost because that number on the scale hasn't changed. Okay, we're up to number four now. Make it easy and enjoyable. Tell us about this one. We're wanting to make these changes last. So there's no point choosing things that we just hate doing or they're too hard to maintain. The classic is when you see the gyms run a six-week program and have an eating plan attached to them. few of those going on at the moment post-Christmas, I've noticed in my community. Um, And generally people kind of put up with it and follow it for six weeks because they have this short-term aim in mind. They think, you know, I'll do my six weeks. I'll be super trim tone terrific at the end of it uh and they just have to get through the six weeks so it's a much easier thing for our brain to process and go if i can just do six weeks it's going to solve everything but the trouble is often they're eating foods they don't normally eat or enjoy and they might be depriving themselves as well in the process and soon as the six weeks is up they go back to their old eating habits and of course their body slips back to where it was very familiar to lots of people and it's a much better strategy to start working with who you are and where you're at at the present moment and then chipping away at those other things we've said so you know picking um, small things to start with as well if you're wanting to increase vegetables in the diet and you know this will give you more energy and longer term you know you will also lose weight with this then there's no point choosing vegetables to eat that you don't like. You know, there's no point. Even if I said to you, Simon, the best vegetable for you to eat to get to your goal is to eat broccoli. And you think, well, Mel, I really hate broccoli, but you've told me to do it. I'm going to give it a go. You're not going to be still doing that in four weeks' time because you're going to get pretty sick of it. In terms of the, you know, side of making it easy, is you want to think of the easiest place to start that will mean you're more likely to succeed in the short-term goal and then be able to build on this behaviour. For example, if someone wants to increase the salads they have at lunchtime, but they find the idea of meal prep being really boring, tedious, they don't have time, then go and use a salad mix like a kale slaw or one of the packaged you know, salads you can get in the supermarket. And that way, all they have to do is throw it in a bowl with their chosen bit of protein, whether that's, you know, some chicken or some tuna or what have you. And they're much more likely to have a balanced lunch because they've been able to do it quickly and they haven't had to throw in that barrier of, you know, going through the meal prep. So that's, you know, just making it easy for yourself. Another example is, you know, having some frozen vegetables on hand. It's a really great way if someone keeps finding they get home from work late and they just don't have time to put a healthy dinner together. But if you know it's quick and easy to grab some veggies out of the freezer because they're already prepped, then perfect to do that. You know, yes, might be more ideal to chop them all up yourself and what have you, but we're trying to make it as easy as possible to get into the habit. Another example is drinking water, you know, something most people need to increase. And if you're wanting to improve that, just make sure you have a large jug or bottle on your desk while you're working because it's much easier to grab this and drink it rather than relying on, you know, getting up and having to refill your bottle all the time, which 
generally people kind of sit there and all of a sudden they're going, gosh, it's been three hours and I haven't even had some water. So just make it easy on yourself and, you know, think of ways that you can actually implement that into the habits you're trying to change. Lastly, number five, make it micro. What do you mean by that? What does that look like in practice? Yeah, so when you're thinking about these one to two things that you've decided that you want to change, firstly, make the time period that you're doing it for micro. So just start thinking week by week. So, okay, I've picked two things I want to work on and I'm going to make it something I can do in this next week ahead of me because that way you're much more likely to set a realistic goal. So I often get people to think about, you know, for example, let's go back to the increasing veggies. You might say um, if I wanted to increase them and I decided I was going to have my salad at lunch, can I do that this week? Is that something that's possible this week? And I look at my week ahead and I think, yeah, I can probably do that three days a week. So just keep it to whatever's, you know, right in front of you that week. Then you also want to make the goal small. So we are, you know, often we tend to focus on the end result of where we want to be and how we can jump into that. But um, you need to keep it small so that it is achievable. So an example is I had a client the other day who was eating one to two serves of vegetables per day. So one to two serves is generally half a cup of cooked vegetables is one serve or one cup of salad is a serve. And when I asked her how many she'd like to aim for, you know, what would be her goal for the week, she said, how many should I be having? And this should word often comes up when trying to, people are trying to set goals. And it's the one that you have to be really careful of. So even though the recommendations are to have five serves of vegetables per day, this would be a much too big goal for this person because at this stage she's only having one to two serves. It's much too aspirational to all of a sudden jump up to five serves. You'd just be setting up to fail if you did that. You're much more, you know, going to have much more success if you drop it down and just focus on something really small and maybe it's one extra serve a day. It's going to be more achievable, something that you're more likely to finish the week and say, oh, it's been a success. And even though it's only increased a small amount of the behaviour that you're wanting to do, it's still a change. You know, all of those little changes add up, so important. And the important thing to note is that these, you know, all of these little changes also move you in that right direction of your ultimate goal. I like to sort of think of the 1% rule, like even if you're changing something 1% more than what you did yesterday, all of those small percentages add up when you're doing it day to day. So much easier and much better to do very small changes at a time. One great example from the fitness side of things is the seven minute exercise app. And if you, you know, type into your app store around the seven minute exercise, you'll see it's a, there's quite a lot of them about now. And it's based on the idea that you just need to do seven minutes of high-intensity exercise and then you're done. And I've had clients that have significantly improved their overall fitness because they've consistently done seven minutes a day. It might not be the 30 minutes that they think they should do or, you know, physical activity guidelines say we should do, 
but something's better than nothing. And that consistency, you know, all of a sudden they've lost some weight, they're feeling fitter, and it's an easier thing for our brain to sort of go, oh, seven minutes, I can fit that into my day. It's something that you can see as achievable rather than sort of going, oh, how am I going to fit in that hour of exercise? I'm just too busy. You know, everyone can find seven minutes. And that's why, you know, they're so popular because they get results. It's much better to have an easy goal to go with and be consistent with it because that's what brings results. And the more we repeat the behaviour, the more likely it's going to turn into a habit as well. Okay, that's fantastic. Just a quick recap of the five things for people to think about when making nutrition change. So my top five things are mindset. Remember to remain curious about your behaviour. Only change one to two things at a time. Don't be tempted to overload yourself. Stop focusing on the final result that you want and focus on how you feel with the changes that you're making. Make it easy and enjoyable and also make it micro. That's amazing. Thank you very much, Mel. It's been a pleasure. If you're listening at home, please subscribe to the GMHBA podcast so we know you want more episodes like this on how to improve your health. And thank you, Mel. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me. I hope it's been helpful for the listeners out there.